Hey everybody, welcome back to the Science Fictionary Podcast. I'm your host David and I'm joined by Andrew. What's up everybody? And Marisha. Hello. And tonight we're going to talk about a couple things. We got Secret Invasion just wrapped up, episodes 1 through 6 on Disney+. Plus. We're going to talk about the new episode of Futurama that dropped that Andrew in particular is very excited about. We're also going to talk about my Barbenheimer experience. That's right, I did it. I went to see Barbie and Oppenheimer all on the same night and had an incredible experience doing that so yeah um it's gonna be a really fun show i think we also have some box office breakdowns andrew said he has for us uh about uh the movies that came out in july and how it was a really good uh month for that uh, is there any is there are there any other topics i'm forgetting here i don't think so i think that pretty much covered what we're going to talk about we're going to talk a little about secret invasion as well Right. So, yeah, Secret Invasion. Over on the YouTube channel, you guys were able to talk about episodes one through five in a bit more detail. And then the finale, uh, on the day of recording, we are one day removed from the finale of Secret Invasion. I didn't get a chance to watch what you guys said on the YouTube channel about, ep- YouTube channel about episodes one through five. But overall, it seems to me that the collective response to the show has been a resounding eh. So, what, what did you guys think? Building, coming up to the finale, before the finale, what did you guys think about Secret Invasion? I felt like they did some stuff there in like episode 4 and 5 that made me at least interested in where it was going. I think that some of the most phenomenal acting performances, maybe in the MCU, I mean, there's some phenomenal acting performances. Uh, Sam Jackson, Olivia Coleman. Kingsley Benadire, Ben Mendelsohn, all with just absolutely stellar performances. But it's sort of a shame. I feel like I think I told Marisha this last night. I feel like I feel like the actors elevated it. I feel like if you had not had the strong actors in this and done the exact same material with weaker actors, that this show that it would have been a total bomb. I just I feel like the actors elevated what they were given to work with and 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 made it at least watchable. But yeah, I had a hard time getting invested in it. I agree. I think the actors were definitely the best part. I don't think they had a whole lot to work with script wise. For the this could have been a three episode series. I feel like yeah, personally. right. And at that and point, I think, I think that's its biggest problem. If you cut it down to three or four episodes, then you start going, why not a movie? Why not just make it a movie? Right. It's And it's again, it's like a, well, you can't make a sleepy spy movie. You'll for a 50 million, for $500 million, you'll never make your money back. Like, then don't spend $500 million on it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be an Avengers movie. You could, or make this just a Disney Plus special. Like they do the Marvel specials. Mm-hmm. Marvel Studios presents Secret Invasion. Yeah. And make it like a hour, 30 minute sort of feature presentation yeah and and that kind of brings up something we are we kind of talked about a week or two ago about the budget i mean they spent like i really i think it was something like pushing 250 million dollars to make this season six six episodes of tv for 250 million dollars you could have made the movie you could have made a really nice movie for 250 million dollars like, I know that the Marvel budgets are bloated and some of them are pushing $300, $400 million, but, like, being above $200 million for production still makes you one of the most expensive movies ever made. Yeah, I 
I mean, this turned out to be, what, like three hours of content, probably? Um, cut yeah. it, and there's a lot you yeah. can cut down. But yeah. I did love the acting. I loved the character stuff. I, I did enjoy seeing all that. I just didn't... The writing was just not all the way there for me in the end. And and a couple weeks ago on the show, I talked about how like I was really enjoying the first couple episodes. And I still, overall, did enjoy watching the show but i don't i don't think i'll ever watch this again first of all like i'll go back and watch loki or wandavision Mm -hmm. or hawkeye i will likely watch it with the kids so that if they want to discuss it or have questions i can help answer them but yeah i'm not real likely to ever go back and watch this one and it's it's a real shame because i i feel like you wasted one of the best casts you've had in, in one of these tv series it just, everything felt rushed. It, it, it's weird because it, the story was dragging, but it just feels like everything was rushed as in like, I feel like we just kind of glossed over some pretty big things. And then at the end, it all just kind of ties together or like sort of too conveniently. They're really spinning their wheels for the first five episodes of the show. Like I can't figure out why in episode three, they didn't do this. Like I can't figure out why, why, the bad guys didn't enact their plan sooner and why Nick Fury didn't like go to the president sooner and say, Hey, Brody's a scroll. Like get going. What are y'all doing? Y'all just walking around and talking a whole lot. There's a lot of, there's a lot of scenes of just like Nick Fury and I've, you know what? I've already forgotten the bad guy's name. Is it Gavik Garrick? Something like that. Gravik. There's a lot of scenes of like Nick Fury and Gravik and like Talos and Gravik like standing opposite sides of a room and going like, "Oh, you s- son of a gun! Yeah, I'm gonna get you!" And then they walk away from each other. Mm-hmm. What are, What are you doing? <laughs> Lots of posture. Really weird show. It, I, it was it was weird. It was oddly paced. It didn't really feel like it was going anywhere. And I basically said we did our episode one through five review. Just uh, a few hours before the finale aired. And I actually stayed up till 2 a.m. to watch that finale. And I told everybody during the show, I said, look, I said, I can forgive a lot of the sins of this show if it sticks the landing and gives us a killer finale. And I went to bed at 3 a.m. really disappointed. Yeah, what's it got like a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes or something insane yeah, like that? it was the 16 finale. or 13. It was real low. Marisha, we've been talking a lot. What do you think about Secret Invasion? Honestly, I found it a little bit hard to follow. And typically I'm pretty good. Like, it's not like this is my first, you know, thing that I've ever seen, you know, with Marvel characters in it. Like, pretty well versed in in the MCU. But there was a lot of a lot of callbacks to previous things that they didn't necessarily provide like a hey, remember this kind of background for lots of exposition and i i kind of felt uh in a lot of ways you know like like andrew was saying it it was kind of picking up pace as it went on and it was like okay we just you know i was just hope that it was going to end well you know because you know like 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 andrew just said even if it's a a little bit lackluster if it if it can really stick the landing then you know, you can kind of move, like, okay, well, you know, that makes sense. It it all kind of comes together. I mean, the same thing, you know, that I think a lot of people are saying, the performances are great. 
you know, they did some, there were real stakes, you know, they, they killed off some actually important characters, which I feel like sometimes they avoid on doing, doing on these kinds of things, because, you know, what if we need to use them again later? But even all of the great acting and really some interesting character background on the likes of Nick Fury, like, I feel like they, they made him a, a much more interesting multi-dimensional character. I really enjoyed kind of exploring some of the relationships between these characters in this show. I thought that was a really, you know, the with his wife, his relationship with Talos, Talos and his daughter, you know, there were a lot of interesting dynamics going on, but in the end it just yeah, it it didn't it really, really didn't deliver like it needed to. It didn't deliver. I walked away pretty unsatisfied. Someone described this on Twitter as like this feels like the free comic book day issue you get that is the prequel to an actual event Mm -hmm. that would be happening in the comics and that's a great way to describe it i think i there are some things i like i like the reveal that nick fury had a scroll wife i think that's cool Mm -hmm. that's fine roadie's been a scroll and no one really knows for how long and same for ross we'll have to discuss discuss that what we think happened there in just a moment um the biggest problem i have with the show writing wise was this in the end and they actually brought this up in the show one why didn't nick fury keep his promise because walking away like i really feel like nick fury is really is like just a giant asshole uh at, by the end of this why didn't he keep his promise and two why didn't he call the avengers they brought that up mm-hmm. the avengers not ne- not saying there is a team but like you know he knows spider-man or, or how to con you know he could get help from superheroes is, is my point right they brought the second one they kept saying like nick's like i gotta do this myself it's personal bro the fate of the entire world is at stake Right. And you're over. Here. It's so goofy that he's like, "This one's personal." Right. Well, that that line. What? I thought this. There's the line where he says, "Because no one can defend the Earth the way that I can." And what did he do in the finale? He went and had a conversation with the president. That's all Nick Fury did in the in the finale. By the way, if you didn't notice, that's the way that he can defend Earth is have a conversation. Oh, he shot Scroll Rody. Okay. Oh, and no one made, else can do that. They sure. made the president an idiot. President a freaking idiot. And then at the end, just, just he drops that hate speech. <laughs> like, oh yeah. my God. Well, you know, I, can you imagine? I have a concern about say, what can they... Can you imagine our president like going on on news and being like, we're going to kill every one of them? I'm like, oh wait, no, yeah, no, that's totally happened before actually. So yeah, I guess you <laughs> can't imagine that. But still, yeah, they made the president an idiot. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Like, Which, the hateful speech towards the Skrulls, I actually, I think, opens one of the more interesting doors that the series opens. I kind of, like, wonder, like, if you had done that in the third episode and had the world kind of go into chaos during the show, if that would have livened things up a bit. Probably. Yeah. But I understand they're pushing it. They want, I'm assuming that's all set up for Brave New World. I'm assuming we're making an idiot out of this president so that by Brave New World, we can replace him with Thunderbolt Ross as president. Uh, What did Nick Fury say? That's real one, one term behavior. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and that makes sense. But again, okay. This brings back to what I was saying. Nick Fury's the asshole. So like he doesn't keep his promise. He really did. I forgot his name already again. What was his graphic? Which actually, I think he was a good villain. I think that he was. I think the acting, the performance by him was great. But mm-hmm. who, by the way, that guy's a kin in Barbie. So that was really exciting, being <laughs> in the middle of the show airing and then going to see Barbie and like, whoa, he's like, you used us, and then didn't deliver. 
and then what it nick's reasoning is because you can't it's easier to say than to change their hearts and minds would it in the world of marvel in the world of marvel would it really be such a hard sell to like say hey there's about a million scrolls on earth can we just give them like a village in Wyoming. No, Asgardians. The Asgard. Asgardians are already on Earth. Yeah. There's new Asgard. Yeah, literally. And there I mean, are, did he like, just did the president just declare war on the Asgardians as well? Ooh. Yeah. What did that? Yeah. You know what the problem there is? I don't think any. I don't think left hand was talking to the right hand, so they don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like like why I don't understand why they couldn't just have a town in like Nebraska. And be left alone. And there's the problem solved. Like, and like Nick Fury said, like it's hard to change their minds. But like, I didn't even get the implication that he tried. That's like, the thing. We're never really, other than the only time that any explanation is given for why he didn't fulfill his promise, it turns out to not even be him, right? It it, it turns out to be Gaia. Yeah, it was Gaia. It was Gaia. So it's all BS anyway. And and. Gaia frustrated me in the show because I, I still, I don't understand why she betrayed Gravik. Like, did she just have, is it, is it as simple as she had a change of heart because of her dad and decided she doesn't want to murder a bunch of humans? They, they did, that character was so underwritten. She has no lines wor- to work with. They, they gave, they gave that actress absolutely nothing to work with. Um, and now she she's the most powerful person in the MCU. completely one dimensional. I don't know what they were thinking with that entire character. I mean, like, I just don't get, like, at first I thought it was great. Okay, so she feels like her dad failed her, them, so she joined Gravik's side. That makes sense. Yeah. Then, basically, her dad is like, come on. And she's like, oh, okay, I'm on your side again. Like, that's what happened, unless I missed something. Yeah, that's no, I don't what think I you feel did. Like I mean, I think that maybe his death was what pushed her over, but it it's not explained, and it's not it's not shown. But, like, but, we don't she, get any... She betrayed Gravik before he even died. Yeah. That's before yeah, he that's died, true. she sent him the codes to, like, cancel the launch, one of the, like, five missile launches in this show. Or something. Yeah. So, yeah, like all right. She was like, "Oh, okay, Daddy." Yeah, I, I really don't know. I I think there are several points, you know, finding out that her mother had died or things like that. I think those are valid reasons for her to have a reconsideration of what she's doing. But yeah, we don't we don't actually get any story that lets us know why she changed her mind. Like at least graphic, I can understand his. I do understand his motivations. Yeah. And his plan. I mean, his plan's a little too convoluted for its own good, I think. But, like, I do see what, what he's going for, just trying to turn them against each other. I don't get why. And I don't know if they did, they did a good job explaining this. Because you also see, like, I think, like, was it the British Prime Minister was replaced by a scroll? Why didn't they replace the President of the United States with the scroll? Why didn't they do that? I don't know. If it's like, oh, well, there's not really a good opportunity, that's acceptable. But then how come you were able to get every other world leader? That's always been the problem with, my, with scrolls in the comics for me as well. Where it's like, oh, you replaced Electra with a scroll. Right. You've accomplished nothing. Why did you do that? Why not replace, I don't know, Captain America or something, something freaking useful? That's always been the problem with the scrolls. I also, this is off topic, this is a nitpick. I hate, and this is just media in general, I hate shapeshifters that can create clothing. It bothers me so very much. I hate it with Mystique and the X Men. I hate Terminator's the only one that makes sense because it's like Terminator 2, 
the the T one thousand. I'm like, okay, it's all it's all metal, it's all super futuristic like metal stuff. But like the scroll thing, it's like okay, so if they're wearing a shirt, is the shirt made of like their flesh? Right. Or, right. Or what? I don't understand how. I think it's a great narrative device to say they can't shapeshift in the clothes. That adds tension to where like. You actually, like, yes, they can shape different than anybody, but they can't just magically be somebody different because you have to change the clothes as well. Like, I think that adds tension, personally, but yeah. anyway, that's just a nitpick. Yeah, so, where was I going? I was, I was just going on, I was just going off, because I did, <laughs> the more I think about it, the more I really did not enjoy this show. Well, that's what I, I also, told okay, Marissa okay, about okay, this okay. morning. So, Nick Fury doesn't help them, and then at the end, he leaves again. Right. I'm sure what he's doing is important, and we're going to find out more about it in the Marvels. I think he mentioned that there's peace talks between the scrolls and the Cree. The Cree, that's great. But uh, the president just like declared war on the scrolls, and you're leaving again. You're just I making also, the same like, mistake again. I also not sure how I feel like we've had. So now we've got a president giving an angry speech against a, a race living on Earth, and I guess in a few years we'll turn around and we'll do the same story with the mutants. See, that was kind of my thought. I was like. Wait a minute. Isn't this kind of a story that we're going to have already been done? Like this exact same story? Oh, yeah. Just like the MCU. I forgot. Mutants. Yeah. <laughs> Just like At this mutants. point, what are they doing? What are you doing? You why, do why have you... Get the train rolling, dude. Let's go. But On yeah. mutants, but... No, that's a great point. They're going to do the same story again on mutants? I thought you were about to say, is, oh, they're going to do Secret Invasion again. Because nothing was actually resolved in this show. They just... They stopped this one thing this one guy was trying to do. But nothing has actually been resolved or changed. No, we actually created... I mean, we, we stopped his attack, but we created bigger problems, really. Yeah, I don't... And part of that also is just like... The way that Nick Fury handled it all, like, I don't know, he just feels like such a a shell of the character he used to be. And, like, maybe that's, I think that's kind of what they were going with. They kept saying, like, he's changed since the blip. He's all in space. But they were, they were so vague the entire time mm -hmm. that I just didn't really, I couldn't, I didn't get it. Right, well, because, again, it's an, under, it's dummy, an underwritten but, narrative. It's like, oh, he's different since the blip. He's different since the blip, but we never really deal with it. We act like that's part of what we have to solve in this show, right? So we, mm -hmm. we set that up as a problem to be solved in the show, but we don't. We just ignore it. No, no. He puts the trench coat on and, at, at the end and the eye patch. So he's and he's, back. Right. But he still doesn't act like Nick Fury even after he no. does that. And it's like, no. I kind of felt like you've got beanie. Sam Jackson at least like flip the switch at some point and let him be Sam Jackson. Let him be the Nick Fury we've all, always known, but like they never did. It's and just far from home, Nick Fury was an idiot, but at least it was explained he was a scroll, so it's fine. Right. This one, he kept acting like that same person from Far From Home who was just incompetent. Maybe the writer from, maybe the people that wrote this didn't realize Far From Home Fury was a scroll. <laughs> I just thought that's who he is. That's who he is now. Speaking of people being scrolls, how long do you guys think Ross and Rhodey have been scrolls? I think Rhodey's been a scroll since Civil War. I think so too because, because he's wearing the hospital. Everybody else seems to be wearing now. what they were wearing when they were taken. Yeah, and he's still wearing the hospital gown, and he can't walk. Yeah, so it's a it's it's a double edged sword because on one hand, if he's been a scroll since Civil War, that means everything that happened in game and stuff like that. Well, I really liked all that stuff with Rhodey, so that wasn't him. That sucks. Right. 
But if he's only been a scroll since post Endgame, then that means that it didn't matter at all and only affected the first four episodes of this one show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a double-edged sword. Because, like, the cool... Th- you want it to be cool that, like, this whole time, this person's been a scroll. But then if that's the case, then it's like it ruined all the character stuff we got in Endgame with Rhodey. Yeah. But if he hasn't been a scroll for a long time, then that means it didn't really matter. So, double-edged so sword. I think, I think it makes total sense. Like, if you're going to replace one of the Avengers, you have to place one that's that you can reasonably replace. They don't have the... The DNA, so it makes you know. It, it, you don't have the you know. They're not all going to be able to be Tony Stark. You replace the one that works for the U.S. government. You have access yeah. to, and not only is he an Avenger, he's also a politician. So I think it works, but I think it's crazy that we're rewrite. You know, potentially rewriting this to the roadie from Infinity War and Endgame is a scroll. And if that's the case, then I hate that they killed that character because that could be a cool character because that character spent five years actually being like an Avenger working with Black Widow. It's almost like that's actually almost an interesting story of I went undercover and then, oh, crap, Thanos happened. Now I'm in this situation. And now you have to actually be an Avenger. Now I actually have to be an Avenger. Now I'm stuck for five years. And as far as they knew, that's just life now. Mm -hmm. And it's like. All probably the people who were in charge of me, like the scrolls, weren't doing anything in those five years. There weren't enough of them, probably. So it's like that's actually kind of a cool story. If I was undercover and I got stuck undercover because this thing happened, it's like imagine you're it's a real world scenario. You're undercover and a natural disaster happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now you're kind of stuck there. Right. Yeah. You can't break cover. That's an interesting story. But they shot that person in the head. So. Whoever that person was is gone, and it doesn't matter. Right. Even if that's the person that we actually saw have really emotional moments in Endgame and, and Infinity War and really cool moments. Right. There's all that. I mean, I, I think that I think it opens some interesting questions, too. I mean, we have Armor Wars coming up, if it still happens, which they did switch to a movie, which will be Rhodey's movie. Uh, so we're going to pick up with a roadie that is coming out of essentially coming out of a, a coma and learning that his best friend is dead. That his best friend died saving the universe. Mm-hmm. And that can be a cool story. That yeah. can be cool too. Again, I just, it's like it ruins. Yeah, I mean, it really, um, it really changes those moments in yeah. Infinity War and Endgame. So Which just- for some people I'm sure is cool, but like I just... I don't know. Like I said, double-edged sword. Because if that isn't the case, if they establish like, oh no, he got switched off at some other point when he was in the hospital. Yeah. He was in the hospital after after the end game fight because he got injured and they switched him then. I mean, and that's possible. They were all in the, you know, they were in the building that exploded. <laughs> yeah. And you know, actually, that's actually, so get, uh, Gravik, he was on the team that recovered stuff from that battlefield, which means that like, he hadn't formed his rebellion yet, which means they would have had no reason to start replacing people yet. Mm-hmm. So there's an argument to say that maybe he, maybe it was post Endgame that they swapped out Rhodey. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I wish we would have gotten a definitive answer to that. Instead, we have we're gonna have to wait till Armor Wars probably. Maybe the Marvels they'll answer. Maybe, like, maybe Brave New World. Brave New World. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I could see them in the Marvels having a one-off line like. Colonel Rhodes was 
a scroll for one year. Nobody noticed. We need a better defense or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. if this all ties into the Mar- the Marvels could retroactively make this a much better show. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Uh, I just really, really breath. hope. I really hope that movie's good. That movie needs to be really good for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. Uh, Marisha, we've been talking a lot. What do you think about Rhodey being a scroll and like the implications that that has? Honestly, this is another place where, you know, it's like this person's a scroll and that person's a scroll. And I was having a really hard time like tracing in my mind, okay, what are the implications of that? Like trying to tra- trace this person's kind of storyline, right? You know, Ross and Rhodey's is like, okay, so like at what point's going to have been replaced and what are the implications of that? So here's just... In, and I'm always going to be this person. I'm sorry. So the blip. All these people get blipped. If they have people in the pods before the blip, what happens when they come back and there's somebody else in the pod? Oh. <laughs> That's a good point. That seems like right, an issue. which is why I think it all happened post Endgame. I do That's too. Where I'm yeah. Now, but then well, it's a weird. It, we get it's the, a weird choice to put Rhodey in that hospital gown, like you said. Okay, so the. We know there were scrolls on Earth. We don't know what all they were doing, but we know that the massive influx of population of scrolls occurred during the years during the five-year blip. Okay. That's when Talos was like, I don't know what else to do, and yeah, basically sends out a call for them to come to Earth. So how does no one notice these alien ships approaching? How does Captain Marvel not notice? How does S.H.I.E.L.D. not notice? How does Black Widow not notice? Well, because they came during the blip. I mean, every you gotta remember, they, I mean, we true. saw pictures of New York mostly it's dark. lots of anarchy going yeah. on. Yeah. Like, governments are in chaos. Like, so it's it's yeah. not a, it's not a huge jump. I see your point, though. Like, it had to all be... I mean, a million people, that's, that's, that's not a... That's a lot that's of... almost s- the population of Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. That's Actually, a lot maybe of people more than the population. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess it's a good point when I was over here saying, like, give them a village in Nebraska. It's like, maybe you got to give them a state. Give them, like, I don't know, man, whatever they did the New Asgard. How many, did they ever say how many people live in New Asgard? No, no. it's been It's very... small. It's re- it's it seems small. to not be relatively small. It's not a million, but you know what well, I'm we saying. Well, we know a lot. Thanos killed, a Thanos killed a lot of the surviving Asgardians. Um, and then... Yeah, it's, in it's insane. War. The Asgard, okay, so like, Hela killed a lot of them. Yeah. And then Thanos in his first attack killed a lot of them. And then Thanos snapped and killed even more of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Man, that really sucks. <laughs> uh, okay, I was going to say, when the Asgardians that were on the ship, like, get blipped back, are they just, like, floating in space now? But by then, they were already, I guess, on Earth, actually. I don't know. I don't know anything about anything. That's a really... doesn't matter. Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, like, I, I feel like there are some things with the blip that are implications like, you know, what about people who are in airplanes? What about, you know, people who are like driving cars? You know, it's like if you're in your living room, well, I, and I think they, I, they said that at some point. Like, basically, you have this moment where people disappear and then a lot of people die yeah. just because of the chaos. I mean, we saw like when yeah. Nick Fury disappeared in Infinity War. Like a helicopter like crashed mm-hmm. into a building, which I always thought was a weird scene because what happened there was he saw a helicopter crash, and he was like, "Okay, now's the time I call Captain Marvel <laughs> after 15 years." Not with the Chitauri invaded Earth. Invaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no big deal. Oh crap! A helicopter crashed. Yeah, and honestly, yeah. I feel like 
that's always been one thing, one issue that Marvel has kind of had. It's like introduce like this thing. And it's like, oh, and this has all been going on behind the scenes. It's like, well, why did you never call them before now? Yeah. You know, that's similar conversation to what we were ha- what you, you were talking about that, you know, like, why didn't they call? Why didn't he call anybody? Any of the Avengers. Okay, so like he doesn't want, I mean, obviously he doesn't want him to know he's got their blood and he thinks he's got to do this himself, but why? It's That's it's a good kind point. of a, a half-ass so explanation. So in the end, oh, uh, never mind. I guess I just worked it out. Gaia, when as Nick Fury gave Gravik the harvest and like said like the deal of like, I want you to take it and leave. But I guess the point there is that she knew that he would go ahead and automatically install it and that because when he did that, she would also get the powers and she would just kill him then. Yeah, that that seems like an okay, awful lot of like assumptions to give yeah, that wh- to him wh- and just why assume not, that why he not wasn't going to... Gonna... And sh- if your intent was to kill him, why didn't you go shoot him in the face? Yes. Yeah, so then my question that, is, what, how is that actually a plan? Well, I think that she's still maybe not totally good. Yeah. She's still got... So maybe she, she really was hoping that he would take it and, and leave. That or she was intentionally going for the powers. So one thing that I didn't get a clear read on, and maybe y'all did, but the people like that. So they the scrolls take people, they put them in these these pods, basically keep them alive and steal their identity. But why do they need to keep them alive? Doesn't make. Any and then sense. we have that room at the end that I felt like was totally underexplained with this room full of people hooked up to. Yeah, I feel like it was like bump, 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 and it was yeah, like, it was like oh, look at this big dramatic moment. And I'm like, but what is it? Yeah, yeah, I was confused. I was like, wait, so is that is that different from the other pods? And then like, I think even guys said like, what is this? Like, guy didn't know what? I don't understand. I feel like there was a lot of things that were like supposed to be a moment where it all came together. And I was just like, what did I miss? Like whenever she takes a breath and sits up after she died in the last episode, I was like, okay, I feel like they were trying, you know, cause like the way that they like zoomed in on that thing on her chest, I feel like they were trying to like make a statement, but they didn't I, I, give us enough information confused. beforehand. I was confused there too. Cause it's like, I think what happened there is she basically, she gave herself like the few powers that are like extremists and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that they already had before. Cause she knew she was going to get shot by graphic and she was like going to fake her death or something. You're right. But it's, 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 it's very weirdly paced, very weirdly shot. Mm-hmm. Things aren't clear. And maybe we're just all three, a bunch of big idiots. Maybe we're just really dumb, but I don't think we're that dumb. I think we follow things pretty well, usually. Yeah, and we've been following this story for a long time. Like, and just to all of a sudden be like, I don't, I don't understand what's happening anymore. I just feel like yeah. it's, I feel like there are some pieces where this just really underwritten and they just assumed that we were going to get it. But maybe if you weren't there in the writer's room when they conceived the idea, you're just not going to get it. I just, Overall, I, I don't know how it got, I don't know how this show, I don't know how this show managed to get to a point where they were like, yeah, let's release it. It feels, does it feel a little bit in some ways like Kenobi where it's like, how it, did this get through? It feels like, it feels like nobody, it feels like they just made it and nobody higher up had any oversight on it and it just yeah kenobi had some of the same issues it feels like somebody was like the night before they decided to rewrite the script and be like "Ooh, let's do this and look maybe this is it just maybe this is we know the writers are striking because they're being rushed yeah it's a big part of it is they're being 
push to write stuff like this in a few days. Right. With half of the team, they probably should have. You know what is funny? You know how the opening credits are AI? Yeah. This this show feels like it was written by AI. Yeah. It does a little bit. Well, it it, it yeah, because it, it feels like it was written and and we're supposed to we're just supposed to understand what it's giving us, but it's it's leaving stuff out. It's make I just don't, I don't know. I don't care. I don't ca- I just didn't care by the end of it. Yeah, and that's me. Um, I just I wanted the finale to I wanted the finale to be so good that I could go, "Okay, I see what they were doing with the other five episodes now. That's kind of what happened to me with uh, with Andor. And it wasn't just the finale. It was like the last five episodes of Andor. I watched Andor, like the first seven episodes, and I was going, I don't know, y'all. I'm just not into this. Mm-hmm. And then the last five episodes were so good that I didn't care anymore. But this, I was just, I said before the finale, I said it needs to stick the landing. And it, and it just... Didn't even come close. It was so disappointing because Secret Invasion should have been a movie. It should yeah. have been, um, and I and I honestly I thought this was going to be the Avengers turning. Movie. I thought this was going to be the turning point for Marvel TV. Like <sighs> I thought this was going to be the point where they really, and not that there haven't been good shows. I mean, you know, Loki and WandaVision and Miss Marvel and Hawkeye are all really good. They've had but, more hits than they've had misses on TV shows. They have, but I really felt like this. But even those, you could kind of look and you could go there. Like WandaVision had some when they started to try to abandon the the trope, the trope of the sitcom. It kind of had some rough patches. Mm-hmm. Loki had a couple episodes. It was like, okay, move the story along here. What are we doing? There were pacing issues that didn't feel where it felt like a movie that was stretched out to TV. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what they got to move past. And I was like, this is going to be the one. This is where they're going to do it. And it ends up being potentially the, I mean, train wreck. I think it's the worst MCU TV show. Okay. That fight scene, the super scroll fight scene is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the worst thing the MCU has ever committed to film. It was so bad. Really? I didn't like it, but that's a bold statement. <laughs> I really... Did you see the She-Hulk twerking scene? Fight scene. I said the worst fight oh, scene. Oh, okay, it's the worst fight. Okay, 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 okay. It was so bad. I like as I was watching it, I was tweeting, and you just thought that the Martha fight scene was the worst that fight scenes could be. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it's like it's so weird, such a weird choice. Like, is Gaia like supposed to be a superhero now in this world? Are we gonna see her again? I don't know. And, I, and it's, it's weird. She's the most powerful person in the universe now. I think she's still gonna wind up being a villain. And, and I don't she's like. She's the- gonna replace Kang. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's the new Kang. She's the villain of Secret Wars. I mean, the Super Scroll is. Uh, I think she's gonna have something to do with the Thunderbolts. Myself, but mm. the. Uh, I mean, the the Super Scroll. That's a that's a Fantastic Four villain, right? Yeah. So we got that coming too. So I don't really know what they're gonna do but with what, her. But like the whole give them all. It, it feels to me like the final season of Heroes when they were like, and Peter has everybody's powers. Also caused by a writer strike. Yes. Yeah. The history of writer strikes is insane. I was telling a friend about that. I was like, so if you ever like are watching an t- old TV show, and all of a sudden, usually the seasons are like twenty episodes, and suddenly there's a season right in the middle that has like only 
14 episodes, and you're like, what's going on there? Google when that season came out, because there's a good chance it was during the writer's strike. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, it totally sucked. Pretty good chance. Yep. Writer's strike. And I mean, that's the thing. It's like they've created this ridiculously overpowered character. And honestly, I feel like it's too... Okay, and, and, and to say that it's too far-fetched to fit in the MCU is really saying something. You know, it's like, how did they manage to fuse all these potentially different... I mean, they, they've got Abomination and Hulk in the same host. And, and you can just, like... For all the time that it took Hulk to figure out how to Hulk, how I mean, we spent how many movies for him learning to get his inner Hulk under control? She can just turn the Hulk powers on, and her arm just yeah that easily. I mean, they went for it's, very it's much bad. the comic the way that that works for the scrolls in the comics. But yeah, it just it comes across a little silly. I think if you're going to keep her as a hero, I think something has to happen that that re, that she's left with the power of a character or two. Mm -hmm. I also felt like during that fight scene, I think they expected everybody to recognize all the powers that her and Gravik were using, mm -hmm. but some of them were kind of, they, I mean, they weren't completely obscure, but they weren't our heroes. They were Thanos' henchmen. Yeah, they used a lot of that. Like, it was kind of weird, too. I was like, why Why is that what you're focusing on? Like, what a weird choice to be like, to keep bringing up Coal Obsidian, as if anybody cares about <laughs> right. Cole. Also, like, the, with the powers... At a certain point, it kind of just looked like goop mm -hmm. fighting each other because they kept transforming. They kept transforming and stuff. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. So, yeah, it was it was a weird. It was not choice. visually it was a very compelling. Weird fight scene, and for it sure. had to have been so expensive. I said it was not compelling as a fight scene. It was just more goofy than anything else, and it I can't imagine how much it cost to render all of that. Well. As everyone can tell, we were not super high on Secret Invasion. Uh, and, and we did not. Maybe and, it'll and, grow on me. And I, I will say, no, I don't believe any of the three of us set out to not to not like it. I mean, I think no. we all set out really wanting it to be excellent. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's uh, that's actually a lot Excuse more uh, Secret Wars talk than I thought we would uh, get in. But uh, we should probably switch gears and, and let you tell us about Barbenheimer. Yes. Barbenheimer was the greatest cinematic experience I've ever had. Uh, <laughs> I did it. I, I committed to the joke. I went and I spent seven hours at the movie theater and watched Oppenheimer first and then Barbie. I was super excited for both of these movies. Beyond excited. And it was the most fun I've ever had in a movie theater. I went with all my friends. It was really, really great. I'll say Oppenheimer. It's excellent. Barbie is mid, and I think something really interesting to talk about actually is the sad state of discourse around Barbie, because a week ago, it was all about how excited and hyped everybody was for this movie that looked really, really good. Mm -hmm. And now, it's you either love the movie or you hate women. Right. <laughs> that's, that's the conversation online. I saw the movie... Or if you with my if you fiance. liked it, or if you liked it, you're some sort of like mega feminist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's or like, if you didn't like it, then the movie just wasn't for you and stuff like that. There's a lot of bullying going around actually about this movie, where it's mm -hmm. like, like if you are a pretty woman, you're not allowed to say you didn't like it because if you say you didn't like it, then on TikTok 
some ugly chick's gonna respond to you and say that, well, you're just saying you don't like it because it's not your perfect little Barbie princess like you always like. I don't mean to be calling people ugly, man, but they're bullying people. It's not cool. Yeah. Maybe I'm a hypocrite. I don't know. But no, it's it's been it's been really ugly. It's um, it, it's been rough. Yeah. Okay. When I say ugly chick, I mean ugly on the inside. Yes. Mean. Yeah. Um. Some kind of mean. Yeah. Chick. It's been insane the discourse, and it's actually really sad to see because just a week ago everybody was just so excited for both of these movies, and I'm trying to live in that moment and really just keep thinking about that mm-hmm. rather than the sad state that it has turned to. Yeah. So let's just talk about the movie Barbie was pretty funny there were some really funny jokes in barbie okay this isn't like ghostbusters from 2015 or whatever there were actual really funny jokes in this movie there was really really good acting in this movie there was great musical numbers great dancing numbers but the plot itself you know they've been working on this movie for over a decade and it feels like it (laughs) it feels like three different scripts thrown together the plot just does not work does not make sense my beautiful fiance, who is a woman, also hates this movie more than I do. Hmm. So it's not just because I'm a man, okay? I just like my movies to be good. The plot was a scrambled together mess. There are things in it that just didn't make any sense, didn't need to be there, that didn't really know what they wanted the story to be. I asked all my friends out there, I was like, what was the story of this movie? And like one of them was able to say, like, well, it's about how like patriarchy's bad. I said, yeah, okay, that's <laughs> the message. But what's the story of this movie? What happened? And they're like, okay, so spoilers for Barbie. I don't think Andrew and Marisha care. Y'all don't care, do you? No. Okay, spoilers for Barbie if you do care. At the very end of the movie, Barbie becomes a human. So then it's like, oh, is the story about that? Well, they didn't bring that up until the last, literally, not exaggerating, the last five minutes of the movie, Barbie goes like, I want to be human. And then she becomes human. Because the creator of Barbie is a god in the barbie universe and she comes down and she like grants her human like pinocchio Um, so that happened but that's not the story that was shoehorned in in the last five minutes so it's like it feels like there's a script here about barbie the doll wanting to become a human okay that's a story there's a script here about ken taking over barbie land and like ken kind of becoming the bad guy and being like no it's no longer barbie and ken now it's ken and barbie that's a story There's a story here about Mattel, about Mattel trying to use Barbie to make profit rather than actually using her as like a feminist message. That's a story that could have been there. There's a story about Barbie accidentally gets trapped in the real world and her having to adjust to being in the real world. That could be a story. But none of these things is what the story is because the script just has all of it thrown on there randomly. It's like, okay, every individual scene is really good but when you try to tie them all together it it just falls apart it's not cohesive it's not cohesive at all it is not a very well written well made movie in that regard the cinematography is great the visuals are great some of the jokes are really really funny none of the jokes really fell flat to me some of them i didn't laugh at but none of them were bad jokes the dialogue was pretty funny sometimes you know have you guys heard about the big barbie speech that everyone's crying to it's a big speech that a woman get i don't know the woman never gets a name um in this movie by the way but she's like she's played by um an actress named america so i'm gonna call her america she's the mom i I did hear some i not i didn't really hear what it was but i i kind of saw talk about it it is i'll I'll even i'll give it this that scene she 
recites the monologue well. It is well written. It is basically being a woman is hard. It, the gist of it is you're either it's the you ever heard you ever seen a movie and somebody goes like, oh you you don't have sex with them and you're a prude, but you do have sex with them and you're a slut. Mm-hmm. You've seen that speech a thousand times mm-hmm. in movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. It's that. Yeah, it's. There's oh, no winning. You can't win. You're too pretty, or you're not pretty enough, or you're blah blah blah. It's 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 like that. It's it, that's it's that monologue. The same one you've heard a million times. It's nothing special. Mm-hmm. People are on TikTok saying they cried because they related to it so much. You got uh, men who are like, "If you didn't cry at that speech, you're part of the societal problem." And it's like, what the hell? Did we watch the same movie? <laughs> it's fine. It's not. It is nothing revolutionary. It is nothing breathtaking. It is just a speech about how being a woman can be hard or is hard. And like, I'll even I'll say some of the points she made were good points. Okay. But it's not like cry inducing. And Greta Gerwig like said, like even the men on set were crying the day that she gave that speech. And I'm like, why? <laughs> There's no way. If you, if you, okay. At risk of sounding like a sexist jerk. If you are a man crying at that speech, you're only crying to impress your girlfriend. Okay. It was fine. It wasn't even a bad, like, it wasn't even cringy. I wouldn't even call it cringy. I'd say it was pretty run-of-the-mill, fine speech. And it's part of the movie. It doesn't really fit into the story anywhere. She just kind of says it. It's yeah. a really frustrating movie because I really wanted this movie to be excellent. And it wasn't excellent because the marketing looked excellent. They mm. need to teach that marketing in in every film school in the country. Because it's the best marketing campaign of all time. Phenomenal. How much? It might, how much did they spend on that marketing? Do you? Do we know that? A metric ton. They call it like it was a whole thing at at Mattel where it's like, this is gonna be. They called it the. They called it Operation Barbie Summer. It has to be at least the price of the movie because they did some crazy stuff. Yeah, but it worked. I mean, Barbie's the... breaking box office records, dude. It made a ton of money. Now there's gonna be a Mattel Cinematic Universe. That's gonna go great. I can't wait for the Magic 8-Ball movie. $150 million on that marketing campaign. Jeez. I mean, good for them making their money back. I'm happy to see movies doing successful. I mean, this weekend is legendary for for cinema, which is great to see. Their budget altogether would have been right at $300 million. That's marketing and production. I think they've made all that back. I think so. I've got that number here somewhere. I was trying to find it. It is at four hundred and ninety-five million dollars worldwide. So it, jeez, wow. it's it'll it'll at least look, it'll at least double its money. Look, going to see this movie was an experience. Okay, look, every single theater, every showtime around me was sold out. When I went, everybody was wearing pink. It was really exciting. It was energetic. It was like, it it brought the world together. Okay, as a society, we were one. Everybody was excited. People, I walked past other people. I wore a Barbenheimer shirt, like a shirt that was a combination of Barbie and Oppenheimer. I was walking past people also wearing Barbenheimer shirts. We were like giving each other finger guns. Like it was a great time. It was so much fun. We went to eat at a restaurant right outside of the theater, right before the movie, and like the waitresses were all wearing pink. It, it was it was great. It was so exciting, so energetic. It was a lot of fun. We, I even saw people dressing for Oppenheimer. People were wearing like trench coats and fedoras and stuff like that in in a hundred degree weather here in Louisiana to go see Oppenheimer. It was so much fun. 
but the movie it's and and watching the movie watching the movie i had a ton of fun because like i said it was funny there were some really funny jokes funny moments really great stuff and i was having a ton of fun watching it with my friends we weren't like we weren't screaming and being assholes in the theater like we weren't being loud or anything like that we were just like laughing a lot together but walking out of the movie i think i said to my my fiance i was like i don't i don't think that was a very good movie and like we had to kind of digest that but i do recommend everyone see it don't see it with your children it is not a kids movie they market it as a kids movie it's not look there's not a sex scene in it no but i could tell from the first trailer i was like yep not a kids movie I'm gonna beat you off. Yeah, yeah, not a kids movie. Which is, eh, I mean, like it's a Barbie movie, so you think they maybe should have marketed it towards kids or made a kids movie. But if you don't want to do that, if you want to make like an adult version of Barbie movie, that's fine. But it, you know, don't market it towards kids, which they clearly did. Yeah, yeah it's kind it's, of a shame. Don't, don't that they. I, I, you're. I don't know. I think I don't know. I'm not a parent. I can't use my judgment. I can't say like whether or not your kids are old enough or not. I would There's say no from a few scene. of the jokes that I've heard, I don't know that it's something I would want to go to with. Uh, you know, my kids are all still pretty young. I got yeah. one that's just now a teenager. I think they'd have to be right. a little older before I'd want to watch. I'd that say one. like yeah, like I would probably be comfortable taking teenagers, but even then, it's so weird. Also, there's something I want to say about the movie. So I'm just going off. I'm going crazy on Barbie. I'm sorry, but. I have a lot to say. There's a scene where they go, they're in the real world, and they go, and you know, they're dressed up in their crazy Barbie clothes, right? Mm-hmm. And people are, and they're in Los Angeles, and people are pointing and laughing at them. Um, have you seen, like, on the street videos from real life Los Angeles? <laughs> in yeah. real life, Barbie and Ken would have been the least weird dressed people there. <laughs> like, you know, like them on their skates and stuff like that? Yeah. That, that was, they're going down the beach, and everyone's pointing and laughing, and it's like, that wouldn't happen right. at all. It's they're the most they're the least weird dressed people by far. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, though, yeah, that's the thing. Like, they go to the real world, but they're in the real world for like twenty minutes, and then they go back. So, like, what is the movie? Oh, and then there's the plot of like, well, the little girl. The reason, but this Margot Robbie Barbie is sad because the girl that is playing with her is having sad thoughts, and it's like transferring onto this Barbie, and that's what's causing her thing about like death and stuff like that. It's like, that doesn't really make any sense, because, like, is that the first girl to ever play with the Barbie who's thought about death? But fine, sure. That could be a story. They dropped that. So, like, like I said, it's like 15 different mm. stories that could be going on in this movie, yeah. and they couldn't pick one. So they tried to do them all, and it just doesn't work. But at least they took my advice and put Michael Sarah in a movie. Michael Sarah is so good. Michael Sarah does more in this movie than the trailers lead you to believe. Uh, that's a big highlight. My, Alan is in this movie a lot. That's funny. So that's actually really exciting, I think. Michael Sarah, yeah. He's great. He's fantastic in this movie. Next thing um, you know, we're going to see Michael Sarah as a super scroll. The super scroll. <laughs> that's funny. He's he's really great in this movie. Obviously, Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie are great in this movie. Ryan Gosling especially. Like, no, no shade to Margot Robbie, but Ryan Gosling gives it his all. Have you heard the Ken song? I'm just Ken. Where I see love, she sees a friend. It's great. It's <laughs> really, really, really good. It's it's the best part of the movie. Ken is the best part of the movie. Everybody everybody loves Ken. So I don't know if I'd recommend seeing it because it's like I almost feel like the the fun part was seeing it on Barbenheimer night. Yeah, 
I don't know if I'll ever like watch this movie again. It's something I, you know, we'll probably just because it's kind of this phenomenon. At some point, we'll probably watch it, but I don't know that we'll make with our current theater situation. It's not something we're going to make a special trip out of town to watch. Mm. If I were to go to the theater tomorrow, I think I would go. Well, I would certainly see Oppenheimer just because I want to see it on a big screen. Like I, I don't even know how good. I mean. By all accounts, the movie's good. I just want to see it for certain footage on the big screen. <laughs> but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. The foot, the 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 bombing footage, yeah. like, yeah, no, that was pretty freaking incredible to see on a big screen. And then you know, if I were gonna go see two movies tomorrow, it'd probably they be that and Mission Impossible Seven, just because I feel like those yeah. are those are big screen worthy. And I feel like Barbie was one of those that was. It had a moment, which is really awesome. It's really cool when movies have that that moment, that event moment. But it's it's past, so mm-hmm. probably I'm really really happy that I did it. Like that, I said I'm gonna spend fifty dollars on movie tickets for me and my girlfriend because it's fifteen for Oppenheimer and IMAX. Yeah, which actually I would have settled with the normal one just for the cheaper tickets, but they were all sold out. I would have loved to see it on 70 millimeter film, but they were all sold out of that one. And the theaters that that was being shown in are extremely small. And which, there's only like which, three showings a night because they only have one of them. Which theater in, in Baton Rouge has a 70 millimeter film screen? Uh, Cinemark okay. on Perkins Row. I got you. Okay. Yeah. But they, like I said, they only have like three showings a day because they only yeah. can use one. They probably have it set up in one theater. Right. Where they can do that. I would love to, like, if I had a little extra money, I totally would go back on a weeknight and go see it just in 70 millimeter, mm-hmm. just to see it. Barbenheimer's great. I think you're going to love Barbenheimer. Not Barbenheimer. Oppenheimer. <laughs> Arben- Oppenheimer is great. You're going to love it. I was excited that I was able to talk to my grandfather, who does not give a crap about anything pop culture, and I was I was able to excitingly say to him, hey, Paul, Paul, you should see Oppenheimer. You'll love it. That was cool that yeah. I was able to do that. Oppenheimer's really fantastic. The acting in it's fantastic. The cinematography's great. The sound design's incredible. It was a lot... I was about to say it's a lot of fun to watch. It wasn't fun. It wasn't a very fun movie. It was very sad. But, like, in a cool way. It was a very cool movie to watch. Very, very entertaining. A lot of people are saying, like... I've seen the biggest complaints. Like, it's so boring. There's just people talking. And I'm like... What the hell did you did you want it to be a superhero movie? <laughs> right. It's, I don't get it's it. Like, what did yeah, you think was happening in this movie? Yeah. I mean, I love superhero movies. I, I'm not gonna make any bones about that. I love action films, but sometimes I do feel like it has created a, at least a group of people who only view cinema through that lens. This movie is very much not a superhero movie, but don't forget, one-third of the movies Christopher Nolan has made were superhero movies. Right. And slight slight spoiler for Oppenheimer, but it's hilarious, and I want to talk about it. You know his famous suit? Like, he wears a suit and a fedora? Mm-hmm. He has a superhero suit obscene. <laughs> That's great. That was the only part of the movie that took me out of it. It was great in <laughs> hindsight, but watching it, I was like, me and my friend who's like also kind of like a cinephile like he's very much like me he we looked at each other and we're like what the hell what the <laughs> hell is this like it's because literally he's wearing a military uniform and then one of his scientist friends is like what are you wearing he's from boston he's like what are you wearing 
or like New York. Nah, don't no, don't be what they make you. Put on put on your suit, and it's like, and he gives a smirk, and then like the music triumphs, and then literally it's like, imagine you know the scene where Nick in Secret Invasion when Nick Fury puts on his trench coat and his eye patch. It's that, but it's the suit and the fedora. <laughs> That's funny. It's hilarious. It took me out of it. In hindsight, it's hilarious, but it really took me out of it because I was like, what the what? It's like a superhero suit up scene. Too funny. Other than that, movie was fan freaking tastic it's shot and like the story's presented in an out of order way you know it's it's mm-hmm. not chronological but by the end of it a really cool puzzle is put together in front of you that you can that you can look at and like really examine seeing it in the theater was an awesome experience because so i i think i told the story on here about my friend who is mike the tiger who laughed maniacally at cocaine bear i was joking saying he went to see it with us and i was joking saying like when the bomb drops he's gonna laugh when the bomb drops, the theater was so deathly silent. Hmm. It was really actually incredible experience, I think, because I was sitting there like, no, nobody's saying anything. Like, everybody was just mesmerized by what's happening in, in front of us. It was really, really cool. Yeah, the, all the bomb footage, it's, it's great. It's it's one of the coolest theater experiences I've ever had. And the story they tell is really good. And Christopher Nolan does a great job of taking this historical thing and turning it into an actual, like, really fascinating story about this man's life that has, like, a beginning. And by showing it out of order, it's like Pulp Fiction. Like, it's all out of order. But right. by showing it out of order, he's able to put the climax of his life at the right point. He's able to make, like, a story that... That that fits a movie really, really well. And it has probably the most profound ending to any movie I've ever seen that left me thinking and like just left the theater silent. It was it was really, really incredible experience. I highly recommend Oppenheimer. I loved Oppenheimer. I jokingly said to my friend that I can't wait to watch this again on my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I will. Cause like, you know, the acting and stuff and, and the story, it's all good enough. There's some great people in here like i don't know if you know the cast list but like mm-hmm. don't look it up if you don't want to be spoiled but just some fun like oh look it's that guy and it's that because you know it's christopher nolan he's got friends so yeah robert Downey jr actually you know killian murphy obviously he's amazing as oppenheimer like really incredible the best performance is robert Downey jr he, I really hope he gets a supporting acting nod because yeah. he killed it in this movie. Yeah, people tend to forget how good of an actor he really is. Because mm-hmm. he was Iron Man for so long, but in this, he played. He is not Iron Man in this movie. <laughs> uh, that's for sure. And he plays a super, super interesting character. And, and yeah, there's some incredible scenes in Oppenheimer. I, I really. Oppenheimer reminded me a lot of Star Trek in a way, in a very good way. Where it's like, the exciting part is like, the most exciting part in Star Trek is when Picard, like, tells somebody like, ah, but subsection D in the in, in the Klingon uh, treaty, paragraph B states that blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, he got him. There's like stuff like that happens in this. That's really exciting. It is just a lot of people talking. Yeah. But it's really, really fascinating people having really, really fascinating conversations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Played by really, really, really great actors. So it works really well. Also, I said, like, oh, the most profound movie ending ever. Somebody on Twitter responded to me and said, in quotes, atomic bomb bad. And I was like, yeah, no, when you put it that way, I guess it's not that profound, is it? <laughs> but, uh, 
you'll see what I mean. It's 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 great. It's not what you expect. It's yeah. I mean it's comp it's, it's complex. Awesome. You know, the whole the whole situation was very complex, you know, not having yet seen the movie, but being familiar with the things that 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 and the, the conversations that surrounded it and, and you know I, I, I wouldn't I would expect it to be fairly profound because you know there was a lot going on. Yeah, it's 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 probably my one of my favorite endings to a movie, at least that I've ever seen in theaters. Yeah, because like we all walked out of the theater just like usually after after a movie, you know, you're talking with your friends about everything that's happened. Me and my friends all just like stood up and walked out, hmm. and then we we went and we had shots while we waited for Barbie. <laughs> and uh my friend who was dressed my friend was dressed as oppenheimer went and changed into like a ken outfit um <laughs> to get ready for barbie <laughs> he should have worn the ken outfit under the oppenheimer under an oppenheimer costume. Under, yeah and like and just ripped it off in the theater yeah <laughs> yeah that's funny that would have been entertaining um, he might that, that that friend he kept saying he kept saying like, all right boys oppenheimer for the laughs barbie for the thinking <laughs> and it's actually funny how that works because Barbie tries to be really thoughtful at the end. All of a sudden, they're like, "What does it mean to be human?" It's like, "Shut up!" <laughs> I just saw Oppenheimer. I don't need you. I don't need Barbie to tell me about the complexities of man. Right. Okay, but it was really fun. I really love seeing Barbenheimer. Andrew, where are we at on our recording? I know I've been just doing a lot of talking, and I apologize for that. About an hour and ten minutes. No, it's it's been good. It's been a good episode. All right, do you wanna you wanna you wanna give us your thoughts on on Futurama before we sign off? Yeah, sure. Uh, So I won't go deep, and I kind of did a little five or six minute YouTube short. I might. I'm not gonna get spoilery here because I'm. For some reason, I guess there just hasn't been a lot of advertising, and a lot other night when I was talking about it. And in a chat, I said, has anybody, you know, who is anybody in here a Futurama fan? And basically everybody said, yeah, I love Futurama. I said, have you watched the new episode yet? And they were like, there's a new episode. Yeah. And I uh, I knew it was coming. I didn't know it had come out. Yeah. So it has come out. They're doing a weekly launch. I woke up Monday morning prepared to watch the whole season. But apparently somewhere along the way, along the way, they decided to do a weekly launch, which is no big deal, Mm. except I was a little disappointed on Monday. But man, it feels, if anything, because this is, of course, the third revival season. Now, the revival seasons have been a little different. Like, basically, you had a revival season that was like a movie that was stripped and that was like converted into four episodes. And then you had a season that came back and they knew they were only doing one season. And uh, this one is really an attempt to bring the show back, to put the show back on the air for a while. It, it They brought back everybody. I mean, all the actors are back. The writers are back. It feels like Futurama before it went off the air the first time. It cool. it, it just it's Futurama. I think Futurama is one of the the greatest sci-fi uh, or one of the greatest animated shows ever made. I think that it's far and away. I know that I I get hate for saying this because of the way people feel about The Simpsons, but I always felt like Futurama was Matt Groening's best work. I felt like that was where he took all the things that he learned from the Simpsons and really put them to work in a, in a setting that worked better for his humor. It feels like it, it just, it feels like it's back and I'm really, really excited. I'm going to wait till 
the second episode drops before I start doing any really spoilery reviews on it to give people a chance to actually find it. But it's there, it's on Hulu, and first episode was really good. It has really good, the, the humor's good, the humor picks right up where they left off. All the characters feel the same. I'm just, I'm, I'm really, really, really happy with it. Awesome. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, I think one day I'll get around to binging all of Futurama and then now and now this new uh, season. Marisha, you're not a Futurama fan, are you? Marisha actually wandered off while I was talking Futurama. I, I'm not sure oh, okay. what she had to go do, but she she's no longer here. Gotcha. I gotcha. No problem. Well, awesome. I'm really happy to hear that. I'm happy to hear that I had a great experience of Barbenheimer and you had a great experience of Futurama, despite our shared negative experience of Secret Invasion. Um, was there anything else uh, that we needed to touch on on the show before we wrapped up tonight? No, I think that really does it. Um, I, I'll, I'll mention real quick, just because I had the notes pulled up. So it looks like, I mean, Barbie obviously is just doing absolutely stellar, made its money back. The disappointing thing is I think Oppenheimer has made enough to break even, but I don't know how much it's going to make. Because um, of Barbie, yeah. I mean, I, I saw that too, where it's like, it's like Barbenheimer, but then like when push came to shove and people can only see one movie, they saw Barbie and yeah. overwhelmingly chose to see Barbie over Oppenheimer. I mean, it made more than what double Oppenheimer made, right? Yeah, I mean, Barbie, Barbie's pushing, Barbie will probably before, I don't know when this total was, but it'll it'll pass half a billion dollars this weekend. Um, Oppenheimer is looking like it's only made two hundred thirty million worldwide, which is still a lot. That's still really it's, good. It's still a lot, but that's basically right. At, it it had a hundred million or a hundred twenty million dollar budget, and then it had, and I you know most things are going to about double their what they spent on their marketing. So I don't have their marketing numbers. Oh, actually their marketing, their marketing budget was a hundred million. So they needed 200 million to break even. So they, they're a little past break even point, but probably not the kind of money they would have liked to have made. Now it may, it's, it's the kind of movie that will continue making money for a little while. Uh, the other one was, uh, now the thing is all of these movies have, uh, because I'm also going to mention Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. All these movies, the reviews on them all are absolutely stellar for both critic reviews and audience scores, which is, that has not been happening. To have three movies, really four movies, if you talk about Sound of Freedom out there as well, which only had a $15 yeah. million dollar budget and has crossed the, the $100 million mark. Mission Impossible, 96% on critic, 94% on audience score on Rotten Tomato. But it's uh, it's only made about $378 million, which means it has not made money. Mm. Because Mission Impossible had a $290 million budget. That's not including their marketing, which puts it way up there as one of the most expensive movies ever made and probably needs over $400 million just to break even. It's also done way better world uh, internationally than domestically, which I found interesting for that type of movie. I kind of feel bad for Mission Impossible because, I mean, I think it looked really good, and people are saying it's really, really good. Oh, the reviews on it are phenomenal. It's just it's I, competing with Barbenheimer, man. It is. I, I think they're splitting the box office too many ways, and uh, I think that there were day. I think there were times when that wouldn't have mattered, but it, it's just it's more expensive to go to the theater now. 
So yeah, people yeah, have to, you have to make a decision, you know? Right. But it's kind of shocking to me that Mission Impossible is probably not going to make money. Hopefully that will. Well, Tom Cruise has been such a winner at the box the office lately. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I, I wanted to make money because I love cinema and I love when movies make money, yeah. especially good ones. And like, by all accounts, Mission Impossible is a good movie, but I, I'm very happy to see that a lot of movies are making money. That is exciting. That is good. The, it's 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 a real cultural event that has happened here. Yeah. The one really shocking thing to me, though, is we haven't had movies doing very well so far this year. We, we're in July. We're in the last month where kids are not in school. And it used to, I mean, none of these are really family films, right? I was about to say, no. Like, Cinemark, for example, what they're doing right now is they're showing movies like, they're still showing Spider-Man. They're still showing, they're, they're, they are, they started showing, uh, the Mario movie again. Okay. And some of the other like animated movies that came out like in May because they need something to show families. Yeah. While Oppenheimer and mission impossible and, and Barbie and stuff are in theaters. That's what Cinemark was doing at least. Okay. That's interesting. I saw that. Rem- did I, I got a chance to talk about across the spider verse on this show. Didn't I? You did. Yeah. yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. 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 Still good. You should see it. Yeah. I think it's on digital now, so we will watch it and maybe we can talk about it. Uh, next show or something. Awesome. Awesome. Well, okay. I think that about wraps us up for the night, huh? Yeah, that should do it. All right. Uh, has Marisha made her way back yet or not? Uh, she must've gotten tied up with the kids. Oh, that's okay. Uh, do you know her Twitter handle? I, I do. I do. Okay, cool. Andrew, can you tell us where people can find you and Marisha on the internet? All right. So Marisha had to step away, but you can find her as always at uh, P Padawans on Twitter. And from there, you can actually find her Instagram. I'm not going to try to give you that one because I'll give it to you wrong. But uh, you can find her on Twitter at P Padawans. You can find me running the Twitter account for this show at Psy underscore Fictionary. You can find our other podcast, Coruscant Radio Underground, on your preferred podcast platform. And you can, of course, find uh, all of the new content we're doing over on the YouTube channel at the Science Fictionary's YouTube channel for Coruscant Radio Underground and the Science Fictionary. Uh, and as always, you can find our podcast and all of the rest of the Red 5 Podcast Network at Red 5 Network on Twitter. And you guys can find me at David underscore JG Peoples on Twitter. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to leave us a like, a subscribe, a review, a rating, a comment, whatever it is you can do in your preferred podcast platform it really really helps out the show don't forget to check out our youtube channel uh the science fictionary and don't forget to check out our back catalog of really awesome episodes i like to throw them on when i'm at work and just listen to myself talk and agree with my own opinions it's my favorite pastime again thank you guys so much for listening and i'll leave you with the most profound quote of any movie i saw this past weekend and you might think it is the famous i am become death destroyer of worlds but no it is simply in the words of ken i am ken nuff